Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. And I am Courtney. <laughs> oh my god, this is episode 70 and we are reviewing, in case you couldn't tell from that, Mieruko-chan. As always, there'll be spoilers throughout this episode, so you've been warned. I'm going to be honest up front, I have a little bit of like a gnawing pain in my head. So if I don't sound like myself or if I sound a little bit off, that's why. But I am very excited to talk about Mieruko-chan because this this anime was, um, I think, refreshing in a lot of ways. Like it wasn't refreshing, but was at the same time. But before we get into that, I do have a, a quick watch list update. As I've been trying to do for a while now, I'm trying to expand my um, my anime horizons and tap into things that I normally wouldn't because being a, an anime quote-unquote podcaster, if you want to call me that, I feel like I need to, you know, tap into some other genres. So I've I've tapped into the, the furry genre. I watched Beastars. Mm-hmm. Um, I tapped into, or I'm tapping into the boys love genre for the first time. I am watching Sasaki to Miyano, which is premiering right now. Uh, and I've uh, also tapped into the sports anime world, and I started Haikyuu. And I am pleasantly surprised. I'm very shocked that I'm enjoying it as much as I am. I figured all the hype was because the people watching Haikyuu probably love sports anime um, or they love volleyball. I don't necessarily gravitate towards sports anime. I don't know anything about volleyball, but I'm like genuinely enjoying the show. And I, I don't I don't understand why. Like I need someone to explain to me why literally nothing happens in the first season except volleyball, but it's so incredibly entertaining. Like there's no slice of life elements at all. Like they don't you don't see them in their classrooms except for like a shot or two. There's no talk about their private lives or their their home lives or their you know friends outside of volleyball or their family. Um, it's literally just everything revolving around volleyball, and they don't even get that far into the year. It's just like a couple months worth of content. And I still enjoyed it so much. And I think part of it is just the uh, the way they animate and portray the actual like volleyball tournaments, because the sound design is very satisfying. Hearing like the sneakers squeak, and then you know hearing them like spike volleyballs. But I, other than that, I don't understand. I do not understand why it's so good. Have you learned a little bit more about the sport through it? Oh, 100%. Yeah, actually, no. I feel like I could watch a volleyball game and like actually know what the hell's going on who knew you could learn things from anime (laughs) i know right (laughs) (laughs) this makes me wonder if there's like a a golf anime out there that they could make pretty exciting (laughs) i feel like i need to delve into uh different genres of anime as well just to kind of expand my own horizons um i've heard a lot about uh kuroko's basketball yeah um i've heard that's gotten rave reviews obviously like there's so much hype around haikyuu um so well, there's also Ping Pong the Animation, which has rave reviews as well. But people have said that it's um, it's not the ping pong that captures the attention. It's the stories around it. That's not what's happening here in Haikyuu. Like, volleyball is very much the focus and the only focus. Like, obviously, you're you're learning about the characters. You're watching their, their development, um, both as, like, a volleyball player and their own inner character development. But it always comes back to volleyball all the time. Like, that is all mm. you're watching. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I'm so surprised that something as like intensely volleyball as that is so like so entertaining to me. I figured I was going to drop this after three or four episodes, but finished uh, season one and I'm planning to, to watch the rest of it. How many episodes, uh, how many seasons in total? Oh my God. I don't even know. There's like a shitload. Um, yeah. let me look really quick. So I'm looking here and I think it's like one, two, three, four, five, four, five, one, two, three. 
three, four, four, five seasons, um, so, uh, and then several OVAs. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Wikipedia says 85 episodes plus five OVAs and like three or four films. Yeah. Wow. Well, the films are recapped, so I didn't put oh, them on okay. my list. Um, like that much volleyball content. Like there are so many great anime that have nowhere near that many seasons. Here you have like multiple seasons of just volleyball. I'm like, I, I'm surprised it could keep that hype going for that long. But hey, it did it, and I'm excited to watch it. On my end, I actually, you know what? I actually picked up some anime to watch on my own. It sounds very strange, but um, <laughs> as I alluded to earlier, I'm also trying to expand my horizons. So I, besides watching School Rumble as like a like a casual thing, I feel like I haven't really delved into the isekai genre outside of uh what was it that was a part-timer although that's kind of like a reverse isekai uh i don't think i'm ready yet for shield hero just do it you will love <laughs> it it makes no sense but shield hero is, is so good for some reason um i started i decided to start a little bit lighter uh, because i think from last year there was a was it a summer um, I think it was summer, but there was a isekai uh, realist. What was it? How a realist hero rebuilt the kingdom. Um, when did it come out? Uh, yeah, summer, summer 2021. Um, and I find it so interesting and not because it's so action packed. As you can tell by the title, it's just about a, a student who gets isekai, of course, but he Does gets he get hit by a truck. No, I think he actually gets summoned um, through like a ritual by the inhabitants of this kingdom and the kingdom is kind of in economic turmoil. And so he's installed as king and he just, I think he studies like, what's that thing? Um, economics? Humanities. Oh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, probably like yeah, economics and humanities. Um, he studies that in his previous life. Um, so now he's adapting those concepts most mostly like um, referring to uh, Machiavelli's The Prince, which I think was like a, it's like a key text about all those things, capitalism, economy, and, and how how governments should be run or whatever. And he uses those and applies them to this kingdom, which is still stuck on a feudal system to kind of bring them out of their um, sorry state. And yeah, it's just fascinating in that sense and maybe it's because like in college i studied business um and so i have a little inkling of what um the the character or the protagonist here kazuya um what he's trying to uh do and yeah there's like really no action pieces in this but i think it's just the the dialogue and the um, the story itself that's keeping me invested. So you're watching Realist Hero. Would you then, if you enjoy this, would you then venture over to, and I'm, re I'm reading this off of mail, The Genius Prince's Guide to Raising a Nation Out of Debt? Because I think that's also, well, I don't know if that's an isekai, but I think it's that similar concept um, where they have to focus on like the econ stuff. Yeah, there was another one that I heard also similar in concept. Um, maybe I'll, I'll give that one a go. Um, but I think if they're too similar, I would rather just wait a bit until I watched that, um, that anime. Maybe I'll go head on into Isekai with Shield Hero. 
Do um, it. Season okay. two is coming up. <laughs> it's, think, it's gonna be good. Yeah, I think season two for Realist Hero is supposed to come out soon. I thought it was premiering this season. Oh yeah, is it this season? I think so. I mean, I'm oh. not sure. I'm not an isekai person, but oh wait, no, it's it's actually premiering right now. Um, part two, at least. I don't know if you can. It would consider be considered part of the first season. Um, so yeah, I think I am halfway through the first part uh, out of thirteen episodes, and I'll probably just jump right into part two as it's ongoing. Well, I'm proud of us because we're both tapping into um, new genres in anime, and I feel like Miyako-chan is like a kind of a new genre but not really like it's a slice of life Mm -hmm. which is not a new genre at all for us but it is in like the mystery horror like kind of a subset horror supernatural and you know i can't say the word horror so i'm gonna say scary (laughs) i know whenever i say it it just sounds like horror so i'm gonna call it scary um in the scary genre the supernatural genre that's that's a newer area for us um, so I think, you know, this, this is kind of on theme, but let's talk about it. What are your overall thoughts on Miyadoko-chan? Because I was surprised at how well-received it was with um, overseas audiences. This was probably the spoopiest anime I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'd say spoopy instead of spooky, uh, just because I enjoyed the the mix of horror and comedy elements in it. Um, for those of you who don't know... I am the biggest coward when it comes to anything related to the horror genre. I hate playing horror video games. I don't get any, I don't know why people get an adrenaline rush out of like jump scares or whatever. It it just freaks me out. I hate going through haunted houses, <laughs> but. It's so funny that you say that because, you know, me and my sisters have grown up on scary games. Like we, like even when we were super young when she had when my one sister had her ps2 like we would seek out like fatal frame and stuff even as kids so Mm -hmm. um, i'm on the other end of that (laughs) yeah and (laughs) even i i have to hold or like cover my eyes whenever we're watching things that i know have a horror element to it (laughs) um i felt like there was going to be a lot of that in miyoko-chan and i was just waiting for jump scares but they really weren't and like i'm more of a comedy guy so i definitely again appreciate that they they played up that element a lot um and if the best way i can describe this anime in kind of <laughs> normie terms if you remember that gag in family guy where peter does the one photo a day challenge oh and then yeah. he sees like the 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 boy from the grudge uh appear. oh god <laughs> his like his face just gets more sallow that's kind of like what Miracle experiences here, although she has to see these ghosts and spirits on an everyday basis. Uh, I just, yeah, I love that it's it's poking fun at a lot of these uh, tropes that you, you see in like horror films or TV shows. Yeah, I found the, the I was going to say horror, the scary elements of the show to actually be genuinely creepy. Like the ghosts had a, a creepy aspect to them. I was expecting mm. something cheesy or something cutesy to match the rest of the show. But no, they, they really did cram like cutesy moe slice of life with like scary ghosts and just made it work. Like to me, that is a very bold move to put two completely opposite genres together and and they knocked it out of the park. I am so pleasantly surprised by this, and that's kind of why I mentioned um, a bit ago that this is a decently refreshing anime because of of that aspect. 
Yeah, it's great that the animation has such a stark contrast because you have the these bright colors of, I guess, Miko's real world. And then you have almost the the rough edges and like the grittiness of these spirits that, that haunt her. Um, I think the best example of the blend that you have here and basically what, what to expect from the show is the ED, the visuals for the ED. And, and the song itself because they're screaming in it. Yeah. Like you, you literally start off with, you know, typical slice of life visuals that are very cutesy and whatnot and then these ghosts just pop in and start running at the screen like it is it's so unapologetic and i i really appreciate that they they went that route a little bit of trivia here um the studio behind the uh, anime adaptation of miyako-chan is passione it's not the gang i know um, i kept thinking jojo, <laughs> JoJo part, part five, five. <laughs> um fun fact i think i was looking at their there are different works. The only other notable thing that I could pick out was interspecies reviewers. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, this is uh, there are etchy parts of Miyako-chan, so yeah. But I think it's thankfully dialed down or dialed back a bit in this one. Well, let's jump into it. Um, let's go through the synopsis and and talk through Miyako-chan because I feel like each episode was pretty pretty unique. They had some interesting ghosts and encounters. Yeah, it felt a little like Ghost of the Week until the very end of it but yeah let's go ahead and just jump into our synopsis and discussion for Miyako-chan which is the 2021 anime adaptation of a manga series written and illustrated by Tomoki Izumi the series is animated by Passione and directed by Yuki Ogawa and follows high school student Miko Yotsuya as she navigates through and ignores the perils of being able to see supernatural beings in her everyday life in episode one can you see them? By the way, I love how most of the episode titles, uh, they incorporate this thing about her seeing things or her looking at things, and it just continues. And it's just, I <laughs> think it's a comedy bit in itself, too. But yeah, episode one, can you see them? Who is Miko? You sure you want to know? The story of her life is not for the faint of heart. If somebody told you Miko was just your average, ordinary girl, not a care in the world, somebody lied. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I see what you did Still there. Still on that Spider-Man high. Uh, Miko begins noticing strange occurrences around her from a handprint on her bathroom mirror to the lights flickering on and off at school to a ghostly apparition at the bus stop. Despite her best efforts to ward off the paranormal using science's trusted formula of sodium chloride, she still sees dead people. Right off the bat, OP and ED. Um... Okay, well, I'm going to save what I want to say. Tell us all about the OP, <laughs> and then I'll share my thoughts. <laughs> so the OP, is, the title is Mianai Karane, or translated to I Can't See Them, Okay, by Sora Amamiya. Um, and I actually just discovered this prior to our recording, that the singer who sings both the OP and ED is actually the voice for Miko in Mirko-chan. Um, so nice self-promotion for her there. Um, I, 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 I'll admit it. I, I like this song. It's, it's very frantic because you have the her in the beginning singing about like these spirits, like wanting her, them to leave her alone. And then it just turns into this upbeat bubblegum pop song that you wouldn't expect from something centered around horror. 
Oh, I didn't I didn't like this at all. And you know that. Like I, I made you skip it every single time after the first time we sat through it. I get what they're going for by staying on theme with the distressed singing at the beginning at the end, but it just didn't work for me. It was super cheesy, um, super cringy, and I was like, I, I don't I don't need this. I don't want this. I didn't ask for this. So that's fine if you enjoy it. At least you were kind enough to allow us to skip the opening every time. <laughs> yeah, and I, I- kept it off of our playlist because uh, I knew you would hate it. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just like that it's not as... I mean, it, it still sounds manufactured, of course, with uh, with its J-pop feel, but just the fact that it's it, it directly talks about the plot of the show, which is seeing spirits and hearing the frantic... Uh, the singer pleading for these spirits to leave her alone. I just, I, I just found it funny. Um... And visuals-wise, I don't think you see any ghosts or supernatural beings in the OP. Like, you only see shots of, I think, Miko's classmates and, like, some walking and running cycles of her. But you see, like, these paint splotches and, like, bright colors. And I don't know if, like, that's meant to kind of represent these spirits that are haunting her. I thought it was representative of blood. Yeah, Like, when it's on the wall and stuff. Yeah, but wanting to avoid it from looking so gory they just decided to use colorful paint which i thought was a nice touch um the only other thing i have about the op i discovered a couple a couple days ago that someone on youtube uploaded a mashup of this op and the rent the girlfriend op which is centimeter by the peggies and it has no business sounding so good together, but it sounds so good together. I know. I hate that it works so well because I'm like, don't ruin the Rent a Girlfriend OP for me. But damn, it does. It it works very well. I I have to have to admit that. And I think they even edited the. I think it's mostly the Rent a Girlfriend OP, and you know the part where I think most of the characters are doing that that dance. Yeah. It's. Instead of the girls from Rent a Girlfriend, it's the spirits, I think, from the OP that they put in each vignette. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. That was. It was really clever. And that's another, speaking of anime, you got to catch up on before season two premieres because they just had some announcements about Rent a Girlfriend season two. You've got to watch Rent a Girlfriend season one. Yeah, I have like six months, so I'm in no rush there. <laughs> um, ED-wise, title is Mitana, Mitayone. Mitero Yone, uh, translated to Yusami. Yusami, right? You're seeing me right now, right? Also, again, by the VA for Miko, uh, Sora, Ama- Sora Amamiya. This one, too, I just love. I think as soon as it starts, you have this spirit that just runs straight at the camera. Um, and you have, I think, shots of each of the three main characters like in their respective homes. And then it fades into the these monsters that start flailing once they fully appear it's just funny and then even in the music as soon as they appear you just hear the they're like supernatural cries um mixed in with with the rhythm yeah i i thought the the song was um decent i unlike the op i actually didn't mind the screams of the ghosts in this ed because on screen you're actually seeing the ghost so it makes sense i think if you were just listening to it on spotify it'd be kind of fucking weird but for me, what sold the ED was uh, just the visuals, the combination of, again, as I mentioned earlier, the ghosts and the the cute Moe stuff. Like, it, it was just unexpected, completely different than anything I've ever seen, and it works very well for the show. Mm-hmm. 
So this whole first episode was really a slow buildup, but I felt like that was intentional to kind of give the feel of a horror movie because horror movie um, because that's what you get in scary movies. Um, So I I very much appreciated that. There was also a decent amount of fan service, but to me, this was not full-blown etchy in the sense of like High School of the Dead or what we're watching right now with uh, My Dress Up Darling. So it was... It was like nothing that really distracted you from the story. I think if they had gone any further with the etchy, it may have been a little out of place. But they got my attention right away with this first episode. I love Miko's unexpected reaction to seeing the ghosts. And this this whole first episode was very funny. And it's basically the opposite reaction of every single scary movie. She just ignores the ghosts. Like, that's that's like never been done i mean maybe it, it hasn't like scary movie or something i don't know but and by scary movie i mean like you know the scary movie genre like like franchise mm-hmm. um that came out a long time ago but other than that you, you rarely see anything like that and i just thought that was so so clever on the writer's part on the creator's part and you would think like that's the first thing you want to do is you don't want to acknowledge these ghosts so props to miko for going that route instead of becoming a a victim of of typical horror film tropes uh i'll admit <laughs> i had to kind of close my eyes uh in this first episode just because i didn't know what to expect um on the horror side and yeah there were a couple jump scares here and there um but i'll have to say like the way that they animated the ghosts or the spirits they are very creepy looking, but they're they're more so I would want to say grotesque instead of horrifying. So it makes it for an average viewer like me who again does not love jump scares or being terrified of of watching things on TV. Um, it you're comfortable with it, I guess. And again, just watching um, Miko's reactions of her trying to stay calm while kind of screaming internally was was a, like just great comedic humor. Yeah, the the spirits and the ghosts are genuinely creepy. Like they're not full on scary. Um, but for what you're watching, like I, I did kind of get a shiver down my spine a couple of times throughout this, this series. And even like the, the effect that they put on their voices where it's, it's like distorted and, um, a deeper tone. I think that also adds to the creepiness of it without being like a full fledged horror film. Um, and I think it's, it's good that in this the beginning couple episodes we're still getting surprised by these spirits that we see but as the show goes on we learn to get grow accustomed to them as as Miko does although we we still tense up when she is on the verge of acknowledging one of these ghosts cuz I think that's her goal like if as long as she doesn't acknowledge these ghosts they'll leave her alone and they won't do with her as they do with in like more horror films but yeah I was definitely in for a scare for these first couple episodes, even though I knew this was a comedy slice of life as well. In episode two, she totally sees them. Miko runs into more ghastly ghouls around her school and does her damnedest to avoid acknowledging them and runs into more eerie encounters as she gallivants around town with her fiendish foodie friend, Hana. The pair comes across a stray cat that Miko notices is haunted by a ghost and after being approached by two men of unsound body and mind, offers the cat to the lesser of the two evils, who turns out to be quite an angel in disguise. 
I think this is where the series went its most like its most etchy with the the horny spirit. Yeah, this was so funny because Hana had a ghost literally clinging to her and she didn't notice anything, but Miko had to play it cool because she's trying not to notice or look at any of the ghosts. So not only does she have to ignore them, now she also has to like help her friend while not acknowledging this ghost at all. And that ghost turned out to be a dead pervert with booby eyes. So that was interesting. Which is like it's now that we're talking about this, um, I know that Hana later we learned that she has this sort of aura that wards off the or like demons can't touch her, but she also yeah. tracks them. So I'm wondering why that wasn't present here. But oh, that's a good question. Yeah, because other ones have tried to get near her and they just burn. Yeah, there's like the I think a little one um, gets burned. So maybe it's just based on how powerful the the supernatural spirit is. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> this was definitely an etchy episode. One other note from this episode um, that I, I appreciate about this show is that, yeah, at this point, it seems like it's going to be a ghost of the week sort of thing. Um, but there are elements in the show that are almost like in the vein of Demon Slayer, where these ghosts, as much as like the demons and Demon Slayer are, they're almost like a sort of a metaphor for like grudges or regret or regrets that certain characters hold on to. Um, and here, I think in this episode, it was with the, the tattooed guy at the end. Um, it's Miko having to choose between him who looks like he's someone who's like erratic. Um, and then we get a soft introduction of Zen who becomes a character later on. And he's the one that's surrounded by all these cat demons. So she decides to go with the other guy um but he turns out to be like i said in the synopsis an angel in disguise and you have these cat spirits that are more benevolent just manifesting behind him and then i think post credits you see that he's taking care of these cats and it's um him kind of he he has like this affinity for cats because it kind of reminds him of his deceased wife and so there's like this very human element of this show that i appreciated with miko learning more about these spirits um it leads to a lot of these very surprisingly sweet and heartwarming moments, one of which we'll see like in a later episode with her family. Or heartbreaking moments as well. Yeah, um, but no, too. I completely agree. I think that uh, another theme of the show is that you know n- not all is what it seems. Um, we are surprised mm-hmm. by a lot of both people and spirits um, that they, they appear to be one way and they're actually completely different. So yeah, a lot of uh, ongoing motifs here. In episode three, she still sees them after listening to a ghostly bus passenger who doesn't understand what using her inside voice is. Miko deftly swerves a ghost at a cafe who thinks she's after her man, though this unfaithful lover meets up with another mistress who's got skeletons in her own closet. Miko decides to invest in the mystic arts for assistance by purchasing prayer beads. Too bad she didn't read the Amazon reviews for they break under the presence of a ghost with a scratching problem. Hana leads her to a local fortune teller in search of higher quality products who promptly says fuck this and retires from her occupation of the occult after being witness to the madness that haunts Miko. Though she notices Hana may have a haunted Hamon power that both deters and attracts these bothersome beasts from Booville. So we started to get more of a main plot line um, by episode three. And I was very happy about that because I was worried a bit that this would be, vin- what is it, vin- vignette? Vin- vignette? Vignettes. Vignette or segmented type of show. So I was glad to know that it wasn't because 
I always have a hard time, not that I have like, you know, hard time concentrating or following a show, but I get a little uninvested when it's just villain of the week or adventure of the week. If there's no end goal, I start to fall off a little bit. So this was this was helpful to have episode three. They also answered my question about whether Miko could just walk through ghosts, and it's yes. But she only does it once. Like she can walk she can just walk through them, but she only does it once in this it's in this episode. Yeah, I think as long as she doesn't acknowledge their presence, they'll leave her alone. Yeah. Um, I think one thing that was kind of a downer for me with this series, and it's involving this godmother fortune teller, it felt like she was going to play a major role in this in these first 12 episodes. And I don't know if they intend on having a season two or if they're going to be like, just read the manga. But like they, they introduced the godmother here. She goes off to live her quiet life in the countryside, and you only get cameos of her, I think, in later episodes. So she doesn't really play an integral part of the story thus far. I would have loved to see that a little bit more and, to your point, build up more of that overarching plot for the series. Yeah, there's a lot of that, um, and we'll talk about that with the last episode, but I, I agree. In episode four, yep, she sees them. Miko's brother Kyosuke suspects something is amiss with his sister and tails her around town, unaware of the spirits that torment her. When the siblings share in Japanese bath time, he quells his concerns about Miko being involved with a sussy baka boyfriend, though she struggles to savor her skinny dip with a wallowing ghost in the corner of their bathroom. In a clever twist, we later learn that Miko has been interacting with her deceased father, who never got to apologize for taking her pudding before perishing in an accident, and our haunted heroine enjoys a sense of closure as she offers a pudding at his funeral altar. We also learn that Miko can additionally see ghosts on TV, although I think television media in general is a lot more terrifying in comparison. Man, the dad part was really sad. Yeah. It was it was nice, but it was sad. Um, I mean, they got us. You assume the entire time that he is actually there, but then you find out at the end that he is not. He is deceased, but... What killed me the most, um, no pun intended, is that she couldn't even talk to him because her family was there and she's mm-hmm. committed to ignoring the ghost so they don't harm her. I almost wonder if, like, separately, if there were no other ghosts around, if she could talk to her dad because um, it's not like another ghost would notice. But yeah. the risk, I think, may be too great. Um, and if those ghosts attack her dad, who knows? But, yeah, that was that was really sad. That also makes me wonder if, if she were to acknowledge him, would he turn malevolent? Kind of like... Later on, I think in the penultimate episode, there's that kid in the park who looks like an innocent child. Miko acknowledges him, and then he turns into a ghastly spirit. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. At least she didn't take the risk here. And it also makes me wonder how she was able to see her father in regular form compared to, like, these other ghouls, right, who are all, like, grotesque-looking, and then he's he looks like as though he was living. Yeah, although the kid in the park, I guess, was normal to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah I don't know. True. There's a there's... bit of inconsistency there. <laughs> yeah, but it was yeah that was like some sixth sense shit. <laughs> yeah, that was that was very very good. I mm-hmm. also love the post credit scene in this episode where we um like we see the TV scene from Miko's point of view, 
um, after it plays out in the main part of the episode and we find out why she wanted to go get that drink and it's because that fucking ghost is just shouting the entire time. (laughs) I was expecting it would just be like a ghost in the corner, but it's literally just screaming and she's like, I can't concentrate. This thing's on the screen screaming. (laughs) Like, what the fuck is wrong with this ghost? But I I really appreciate that they have such weird and funny situations for these spirits so that it, it doesn't get stale or feel repetitive or you know the the tropey not like tropey but like you know it's it's not always just scary stuff that that she has to go through with these ghosts and then her dad at the very very end saying this isn't the kind of stuff kids should be watching was was pretty funny very ironic as well in episode five she sees them too i feel like most of these episode titles are repeating but they're not can you imagine trying to remember (laughs) which title goes with which episode i would be like i don't know yeah although i think later on they start to make chronological sense but yeah episode five she sees them too we follow one of miko's classmates yulia a fellow sixth sensor devastated after learning the fortune teller godmother from two episodes ago has closed up shop due to miko's frightening facade she unsuccessfully tries to weasel miko into admitting her abnormal ability though our haunted heroine realizes that yuli quinn is not privy to certain powerful apparitions that miko herself can see in the evening Miko inadvertently helps an old woman with dementia find closure with her deceased husband after hearing his ghost whisper the combo to their home's safe deposit box, and later witnesses him willingly get eaten by a larger apparition. Dare I say, a gobble ghoul? Um, okay, so I wasn't expecting the meeting with Yulia to go that direction. Like, Miko finally has somebody who understands her situation. But Yulia's vision is weaker than Miko's, so I guess Miko feels that reve- revealing her vision powers could put Yulia in harm's way. I don't know. I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit more towards the end. But then the whole grandma thing, like, I, I get what they're going for, but it felt a little far-fetched for me. Like, suddenly she just 180s with her memory after finding the comb in the safe. Like, yeah. I would expect some of her memories would be triggered and come back and all that stuff, but to like, do a complete 180 was, was dumb. But... It got the point across that Miko met a ghost that needed her help and thanks her for it. Um, but I don't understand why he got eaten by the bigger ghost of the donut shop after. That was kind of really sad if you think about it. He just wanted to help his wife. And then he got that. He achieved that goal finally through Miko's help. And then he gets eaten. Like, what the fuck? I don't know if that's like a rite of passage for certain ghouls is for them to peacefully enter the afterlife. They get eaten by this larger ghoul. I don't think this larger ghoul even comes into play at any point later on. No, we see it twice, and that's about it. Yeah. Uh, and so I thought that was another plot point that wasn't fully explored, but I I, I guess it's, I'm just glad this grandpa ghoul got his, his peace somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, I can kind of see, like, I don't know if the – I don't remember if the grandmother went, like, a full 180, but I know, like, certain – people who have like alzheimer's or dementia they'll cling on to certain things like i think music will trigger a certain memory in in them so well that's what i was i was saying it's like i could see a couple of her memories coming back or something specific coming back when she is finally able to get the comb but she just completely remembers everything apparently when she finds the comb so i was like ah okay but whatever it's Mm -hmm. it's a minor detail well this was just another heartwarming moment again kind of humanizing the ghouls that we see rather than rather than seeing seeing them as like horror fodder in episode six she sees real crazy ones 
Miko takes notice of a grim reaper headass that haunts Hana as she rescues a runaway dog in a spoopy abandoned building. As the growth, as the growth, as the ghost grows to gargantuan size from consuming smaller spirits using Hana's haunted hamon, Miko decides to take her friend to a shrine to fend off the grim reaper headass. The shrine, in response, sends a large beastly spirit with two maiden spirits in tow to destroy the headass. The beastly spirit then ominously utters the words three times before disapparating, leaving Miko confused AF and Hannah to take an IG-worthy photo of their visit. This was a really good episode. Like We, we learn about uh, Hannah's aura damaging the ghosts and that she's being haunted by a big one. Um, but I think the shrine part was the best part. Like She takes um, Miko to a shrine and these gods come out and destroy the ghost and... I was like, finally, some major plot progression, but we're already halfway through the season mm-hmm. or the show. If we don't get a season two, like then we're already halfway through the series. So I'm like, okay, um, they got a lot of catch up to do. And again, this will all come back to play when we talk about the last episode because we actually don't really find out much about them. And was that a fox spirit, like the larger one? Yeah, Did I you... think so. Okay. Almost uh, like a, it looks like a nine tails at certain points. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember we were talking about that. So. I think it's kind of reminiscent of the Inari, like the fox deity in Shintoism. I'm no expert in Shintoism, so I can't really say much um, on that. I thought front. it was like a like a kitsune. Is that what it is? Yeah, I think maybe like the nine tails looking one is a kitsune, which I think is what nine tails in Pokemon is like based off of. Okay, that that probably makes more sense because then I looked up Inari is the god of rice, <laughs> the protector of food, bringer of prosperity. And I was like, that doesn't fit. Oh, I looked with... up Inari, just Inari, and it's like the actual food Inari, like the, uh, like the, the, rice. the bean pocket thing yeah. with the rice inside. <laughs> <laughs> or the, I don't know what you call it, but those are pretty good. And then I think the, the two maiden spirits, the shrine spirits, are evocative of the Nekomata, which are like these cat-like yokai. Yokai means like demons or spirits. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I think in this case they're similar to the domestic Nekomata, which are associated with like devilish personalities and and the art of necromancy. Although here it's it's them destroying or helping Miko destroy these spirits, and they were very ambiguous as to whether or not they were benevolent or malevolent, which was interesting. But I'm sure we'll. Discuss that more when they come into play in the later half of this series. In episode 7, Did You See That? Yuli Quinn, determined to get her fellow sixth sensor to admit her abilities, invites Miko and Hana to an IG-worthy mountaintop vista accessible via haunted tunnel. Miko, on the other hand, notices a ghost on hard mode difficulty that threatens the trio and summons the shrine spirits to incapacitate it as she leads their escape. Yuli Quinn uses the experience as an opportunity to make peace with Miko and Hana, despite her constant misconstruing of Miko's words as perceived threats to not reveal their supernatural secrets to Hana, who honestly seems too hung up on food to even care. So I loved seeing the ghosts being attacked from both Miko's and Yulia's perspectives. Yulia can only see them writhing around and assumes that Miko is some sort of like expert exorcist. Yeah. When in reality, there's a fucking spider lady ghost eating the other ghost. She kind of reminds me of the the creepy crawling lady from um, Evil Within 2. If anyone's played that <laughs> video game. Um, yeah. Vaguely remember that. 
So yeah, I thought that was cool. Um, but this was the point in the show where I was like, okay, I have so many questions and I'm getting a little bit frustrated. Like we're more than halfway done at this point and there's so little info being revealed about the overarching story. Like who are these shrine, ch shrine children and why can they thwart off the ghosts? I, my note says snobs. I don't know why. The wait, <laughs> they think... called the shrine spirits the snobs? <laughs> no, I think I, I, I typed these notes on my phone first oh. and then transferred them to, to my computer. <laughs> And I think it uh, auto-corrected. So it says, who are those trying children that can thwart off the snobs? I think I meant to say ghosts. <laughs> I was so frustrated I typoed. <laughs> um, how does Hana have repelling power against ghosts? Uh, why don't Yulia and Miko just have a fucking conversation already about their powers? That was probably the most frustrating thing for me. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, who is the old lady and what does she know? Who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> um, why is this even happening to Miko in the first place? And what happens if a ghost knows she can see them? We kind of get a little bit of confirmation of that in the next episode or two episodes from now. But, like, barely a confirmation. Like, the kid goes after her, but can he actually harm her? I don't know. Yeah, now I'm wondering, why wasn't Miko just up front with Yulia? Or did she think Yulia was too naive to know not to acknowledge the ghost and would think, like, they should team up or whatever? The Okay, so I get having misunderstandings for the sake of comedy. Yeah. But... It, they did it a little too much. They, they kept making misunderstandings happen between Miko and Yulia instead of them just getting in a fucking room and saying, oh, you can see ghosts too? Yeah, let's let's talk about this. This is important. Um, so it, they played that one a little too much, and then it got, it got old fast. Unless they couldn't even acknowledge it in public knowing that there might be ghosts nearby that hear that conversation, and then they realize, oh, these girls can see ghosts. I that. guess, but that's a stretch. If, then, yeah. like, then get in a, a group chat and, and type to each other. I don't <laughs> know. Then the ghost will see your phone. Yeah, yeah I don't all know. All these caveats. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just weird. Like, just, just be up front with Yulia so she doesn't, like, misinterpret everything that you're saying. Yeah. In episode eight, the things she sees after Miko has a spoopy encounter at a department store while shopping with Kyosuke for their mother's birthday present. She yet again runs into an axe-wielding apparition on the train that whacks at spirits hidden inside its commuters and prompts her to quickly find a change of underwear. She is later spooked by a spirit haunting her pregnant teacher, but learns that it is that of the teacher's stillborn first child looking after their soon-to-be sibling. Miko ponders whether she should use her supernatural abilities for the greater good, but quickly scraps that idea after seeing a gluttonous ghoul haunting her neighborhood vending machine. Finally, we see the return of the two men of unsound body and mind from episode two, Zen, the man haunted by cat demons who steps in as Miko's substitute teacher, and Scarface, who celebrates his deceased wife on their wedding anniversary with his newly adopted cat. Who knew that horror could be so heartwarming? This show really does surprise me sometimes, um, which I, I, I liked and appreciated. The miscarriage part um was super sad but very surprising and the seemingly evil ghost on the train actually ends up helping people um again the miko's dad that that episode was surprising um i i enjoyed that i think they were able to keep these things refreshing throughout the show even though some elements got a little bit stale um, but i did really like seeing the ghost trying to find someone to kill but it turns out they're just trying to get a ghost out of a woman um 
and then he actually does chop Miko instead of not chopping her at the last second. Like that's what I thought was gonna happen. Like she'd be like, "Oh no!" And she closes her eyes and bra- like you know, bracing for impact, and then the the ghost stops with the axe right before her face because um, he got distracted by something. He actually did chop her face. So I'm like, "Okay, that's pretty good." Like I they just, actually they showed him chopping her. I just love her her non-expressive face in that moment, and then you find out she like she her. shit her, herself. Yeah, <laughs> which makes me wonder like if this were ever adapted into a live action. Not that I'm hoping for a live action, how they would portray the scene, um, and even like what, what the CGI of the the ghost himself would look like. Um, yeah, just going back to the the pregnant teacher, I just love that. You know, the the show plays up its horror comedy elements pretty well, but just uh, it makes you appreciate these breaks um, with the emotional aspect of these ghosts, and especially with seeing like the hand of the the ba- like the teacher's first uh, newborn that passed away. It did make it did make me feel something like. I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's it's babies. Yeah, no, I, I felt um I felt some feels with that one as well. I also felt some feels when Miko was walking past the ghost crying for help. And you can tell she's torn because she does want to help. She just doesn't know how or if it's safe enough for her to do so. And then Scarface is celebrating his wife. Oh, yeah, that was sad. In episode nine, things she's seen before. While trying to avoid Zensei and his demons, a particularly large one of which threatens anyone who looks at him, Miko stumbles into Yuli Quinn eating by her lonesome in the bathroom and invites her to lunch outside with Hana to avoid a spoopy spirit in an adjacent bathroom stall. The trio later walk through a haunted house sponsored by a donut shop in hopes of winning a free box of donuts, where Miko feels free to unleash her fears without exposing herself to the spirit world despite one close call with an unknowing ghostly participant. The girls pass by the fortune teller's boarded up shop and wonder what she's up to. We get our immediate answer as we watch the former fortune teller play farming simulator with a ghostly expansion pack. Um, yeah, I didn't really like this episode. Like the haunted house part was okay. Um, it was way bigger than I think realistically it should have been. Yeah, I thought it was just a tent on the side of the, what they call it, Miss Mrs. Donut. Yeah. <laughs> which is like Mr. Donut. I get the point was for Miko to indirectly address the ghosts and have that relief, um, you know, kind of that just catharsis. Lo- yeah, that that experience she she had, but um, I don't know, like she was able to react to scary things. But man, I was like, can you get out of this haunted house already? Like it's <laughs> it's it's overdone. Um, so yeah, it was it was fine. Probably one of the weaker episodes. And I thought this was going to be like, even though she has her moment of catharsis, like this is where the ghosts realize that she can acknowledge them, and that just. <laughs> leads to an all-out war against Miko in these final three episodes, but no, she like she plays it off with like the one guy who looks like he's just like Squid Game, like Squid Game participant. Um, so yeah, there's a sigh of relief there, but again, I was hoping for, I don't I don't know why I was hoping for such a, a huge conflict out of a slice of life. But. <laughs> in episode ten, don't look. After we take a perilous peer into Zensei's home life. Miko wonders if Hana's haunted Hamon is affected by his phantom troop, no hunter hunter pun intended, and causing her appetite to go out of control, although it was pretty out of fucking control in the first place. When the pair take pause at a public park, Miko inadvertently acknowledges a hostile juvenile spirit, but is protected by the shrine spirits for a second time. One more strike, and she's out. 
in a post credit scene, we see a spoopy hooded figure out on the prowl to fuck up some felines, but is thankfully deterred by a pair of schoolgirls who stroll past. Hopefully, curiosity remains the only thing that kills these cats. How can Zen waste perfectly good stew like that? I hate food waste, but I guess yeah. we'll find out later there was hair in it, so I, I understand. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, why did he toss it? But it was because the neighbor. <laughs> did she purposely put hair? Yeah, because she said to herself, like, darn, I thought I was hiding them so well. I'm okay. like, what the fuck? I, I don't know. That was weird. But um, I'm still confused as to what the fuck Hana's life energy actually does. Like, does it kill ghosts? Does it protect her from ghosts? Is is it getting sucked into the teacher? Like, I I don't understand. But the the best part of this episode was that kid catching Miko waving at him. Because mm-hmm. um, that actually did scare me. I was like, oh my god, what the fuck? <laughs> that caught me off guard. So that was a very good uh, a good part of this episode. And yeah, we we got swerved about whether or not Zen was the the true antagonist here. Is there a true? I guess the true antagonist would have been like his were the mother's. friends we made along the way <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say like his mother's haunting sphere but she wasn't like she didn't come into play until these last three episodes we don't have an antagonist unless yeah. you consider the ghost but it can be pretty ambiguous as we've learned so that's another thing i'm like who who are we fighting against like what mm-hmm. is the what is the goal here yeah and then later on we'll, we'll see that the spirits that were protecting miko weren't actually so i don't know if they become like this this force that she has to reckon with, but who knows? In episode 11, She Looks, we get another glimpse of bad parenting in anime as we learn of Zensei's abusive mother in childhood, though in the present, Miko tries to devise an anime scheme to keep him away from her school. She unintentionally throws Zensei into isekai territory after he rescues a kitten from Karkun linking him to a traumatizing memory of his shitty mother fucking up his first feline friend. At the hospital, Zensei reveals to Miko his true intentions of finding the serial cat killer and fostering stray cats with his vet friend Satoru, who which gives Miko a change of heart about her troubled teacher. Realizing that Zensei's mother has been haunting him this whole time, Miko summons the shrine spirits to send that bitch to the Shadow Realm, using up the last of her three rescue rewards points. That mother is fucked up. God damn. Yeah, I feel bad for <laughs> for Zen. He he's just Yoshikage Kira with cats, except not like the killing aspect because we find out, you know, called it. The teacher was actually good, and the ghost was mm-hmm. his mom. I knew that from like the get go. I'm like, he's gonna end up being a good character, and that ghost is probably his mom. Like as soon as we found out that his mom was a thing, that there was an issue there with his mom, I'm like that's that's the mom. I knew it. Yeah, it was I very called it. <laughs> that felt very cliched. Where. Again, it's like that red herring, and he, they they give us like his red eyes, which are we are supposed to believe that he's the baddie, but no, he's not. He's but just I c- been through some shit, and yeah. I did like this because Miko can, like, this is one of those opportunities for Miko to help someone using her powers. Um, although it was really the shrine maids that actually killed the mom or got rid of the ghost. But, you know, this is a hopefully it was satisfying for Miko to be able to do something with her powers. Yeah, especially because it was like her last, her last, like, ticket or whatever to call upon them. Um, So she used it in glorious fashion. And in episode 12, the girl who sees Miyako chan, Zensei feels enlightened now that worst mother of the year is out of the picture, and the cat demons that haunt him are finally brought to eternal rest. As penance for her misjudgment, 
Miko allows Zensei to adopt the cat he rescued from Karkun. Though Zensei's got some splaining to do after he possibly sends the serial cat killer to the Shadow Realm as well. After the fortune teller receives from a mysterious sender a photo of Hana and Miko's Aiji-worthy shrine visit, Miko travels to the shrine to make an offering of thanks to the shrine spirits, though they don't seem to like Dango that fondly. As a slurry of spirits swarm in to silence our sorry schoolgirl, Miko wakes up to the realization that the shrine visit was just a nightmare and accepts the fact that she'll have to live out the rest of her days bearing witness to all these gaggles of ghouls. Speaking of which, those shrine spirits are back, and boy are they bitter. Maybe Miko better buy a bounty of butt buns as a boulder beneficence for these bone-chilling bodies. Peter Piper pickled a pepper poo-poo. <laughs> she sells... <laughs> I want to see if anyone can try reading that sentence. But... Um. Okay. What a what a cliffhanger ending. Like, what the fuck? There better be a season two. Yeah. I, I really hope this is not a go read the manga type situation because this was honestly a very unsatisfying ending. Like, she can still see the ghosts. She had that weird moment at the shrine and just woke up back in her bedroom um, I think the whole shrine visit was a dream, though. She had never gone to the shrine. I think that was what the implication was. What? Yeah. But although it's weird, but the grandmother, the old lady, has the photo at the from end. The original shrine visit, though. Oh. Right. I, we don't know who the hell sent that because Hana was would have been the only person, unless Yulia did. I don't Wait, know. No, Yulia that, wouldn't have like been all with these, it. Yeah. Like, these unanswered questions like now we we have more ambiguity with zen again after we thought we knew who he was i hated that part by the way because you think he finally has a sense of closure and we know he's a good character then he pulls this shit but are we assuming things because again like uh, not everything is as it yeah. seems in the show so like we don't know we, we need a season two but then he pulled the taser out remember that well i mean to subdue the guy yeah like if he's if mm. he's killing cats like i would need a or is weapon he to gonna be him. like a like, is he going to turn into a serial killer now? I, I hope I don't not. know, maybe. Like, <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. I think it was um, too much, like, too many cliffhangers. I felt like mm-hmm. there was no um, no single thread that was, like, neatly tied off. I feel like everything was left open-ended. Like, at least give us one answer. Because we thought the one answer we got by the end of this was at least Zen, right? Like Zen, yeah. we know is a good character, but then we get that ambiguity again with that situation with the the cat murderer. So that's also like undoing that thread. So I, I just, to me, they, they gave us nothing at the end and that kind of annoyed me. But on the flip side, which I think is the whole point of why they did that, it has me interested, should there be a season two? Like I'll, I'll definitely watch that because I need answers, but I, I won't go read the manga. I don't think that this anime or this story is compelling enough to get me a non-manga reader to actually pick up the manga yeah and i would think with them introducing the shrine spirits one more time at the very end makes the implication that there will be a season two as of right now there hasn't been any announcement but i i would definitely watch it just to see if the story progresses and like if miko is able to find out whether or not these spirits are benevolent or malevolent but yeah this this ending just left us with more questions and answers and yeah it was it was it was okay 
<laughs> I will say the very, very end, which I guess is technically the post credit scene, um, where they had the Kadokawa and then it started glitching like a, an actual scary movie. That got me. I, I covered my eyes. I was pretty scared about that. And then you... <laughs> you see like the lady from the ring. Yeah. Oh, God. I'd be so freaked out. But then um, it takes us back to the very first ghost that Miko encountered. At the bus stop. Yeah. And then they break the fourth wall saying, can you see me? So that was pretty cool. I enjoyed like the very, very end of this ending episode. But uh, yeah, the unanswered questions was was uh, no fun. Yeah, we've, I forgot to mention um, the voice actor for Zen is Yuichi Nakamura, also known as the voice actor for Gojo from Jujutsu Kaisen and uh, Bucherati from Jojo. Yeah, he's uh, he is on fire right now. The guy is hot, hot, hot in the Seiyu world because he's he's getting all sorts of roles, and everyone wants his voice. I so I'm surprised he was in a smaller <laughs> role like this. Yeah, and for a character that I hope does not turn out to be. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that brings us to our final thoughts for Miracle Chan. So, how many bone chilling butt buns out of 10 would you give this spoopy anime? I would give it a solid 7 out of 10. I think it was very much a 7 out of 10 anime in that it was very, very enjoyable, um, had a very unique concept, um, characters that were pretty endearing, but it didn't do anything to blow me away like there there again were some surprising moments um a lot of plot twists for certain spirits or certain characters um i i think what carries this show though is the fact that you're blending a slice of life uh you know kawaii type of anime with a horror slash scary slash supernatural premise um that is not often done it's not easily done they did it pretty successfully here i just think like, nothing really wowed me about the anime. Mm-hmm. Like, I absolutely loved watching it. I would recommend it. I would definitely watch a season two, but nothing blew me away. So I think it is very much a 7 out of 10. What about you? I would give it a similar score. Uh, I rated it a 7.5 out of 10. Um, I just think it plays up the humor of Miko's anxiety with her horror-inducing abilities pretty well, even though it waned and... Well, waned a bit and felt drawn out at times. Um, I was pleased that it was a mix between the ghoul of the week and this overarching plot that puts her ethics and her abilities to the test. Though, as we discussed with the final episode, it left a lot of unanswered questions, like what's the deal with the shrine spirits? Are they good, bad, somewhere in between? Will we ever get insight on her, how her supernatural senses appeared? Or why Hana has her heavenly aura? Or if the fortune teller will ever come into play again and again if zen is really a shitty person person which i hope to god he's not but other than that like i also just appreciated the wholesome approach that they had to humanizing some of the horror elements in these uh, some of the episodes um showing that some of the spirits aren't inherently evil they just need a sense of closure and i I gotta say i kind of appreciate because i feel like in a lot of anime there's this trope of a society or this organization of humans with uncanny abilities and you don't see that i know this is a slice of life but you don't see that here you only see miko and yulia really with this ability and i guess to an extent the the godmother um so i kind of appreciate that it's just this ordinary girl that's trying to deal with extraordinary things and 
we as the audience, we just empathize with her and know that we have to protect this girl at all costs. I also really appreciate that they show different levels to this ability. Like Yulia can only see certain types of ghosts versus Miko, who we assume can see all types of ghosts. Um, it would have been cool for them to talk through that. Like Miko say, hey, did you see this big fucker over here? And then Yulia be like, no. And then they realize that there's a difference, but they never talk to each other about it. So there you go. Yeah. But overall, enjoyed the the anime. Let's hope for a season two because I actually would like to get some resolution on a lot of these questions. And I, I think it's a, a refreshing anime. Maybe it'll come out similar to this first season where it came out during fall and had like an episode on Halloween. Mm -hmm. um, maybe the next one, if they do have a season two, will also come out during spooky season. Yeah, and I'd be down to watch it. I'd probably still need a pillow to cover my eyes at certain points, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll be braver this time around. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us once again. Um, hopefully, all of you enjoyed Miyadoko-chan as much as we did. And if you like our podcast, please leave us a rating on Spotify or on Apple. Follow us on social media. Recommend us to a friend who also loves anime because word of mouth is the fastest way that podcasts grow. So all of that would be extremely helpful for us. And thank you to everyone who has left us a rating on Spotify. I think we're at like 30 ratings. Um, so thank you so much. We, we seriously, seriously appreciate that. But uh, yeah, this has been our review on Mieroko-chan. And that wraps up episode 70 of Strictly Anime. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly series and subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every Monday. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly series and on Twitter at Strictly series and connect with us there or on our website, thestrictlyseries.com to share your thoughts on the anime we review or on um butt buns butt buns yes <laughs> <laughs> you'll also find more info on strictly jojo our other podcast dedicated to jojo's bizarre adventure thank you so much for listening and as always stay safe stay healthy stay weeb stay spoopy In a post credit scene, we see a spoopy hooded figure out on the prowl to fuck some felines. <laughs> fuck up some felines or fuck some felines? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Hang on. Hold on. He's a cat killer, not a cat lover. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Is he a, a furry? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Hold on. <laughs>